Hi, this is Dr. Richard Benton. And this is Father Mark Bulos of the Bible as Literature podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider a small donation by pledging as little as 25 cents per episode. That's just $1 a month. Your gift will help us improve production quality and will go a long way to contribute to the work of the Ephesus School. Please visit patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash Bible to offer your support. Thank you. You're listening to the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos. And this is Dr. Richard Benton. And you are listening to the sixth episode of the Bible as Literature podcast. Today we're going to look at how people interpret the Bible, how people understand the Bible. The word interpretation is used in a lot of different ways. In today's discussion, we're going to be looking at interpretation as compared to what we call channeling. How do you look at the data rather than simply people's opinions about the data? And we'll be doing a little bit of comparison about how scientists interpret data in order to come to their conclusions. So we're trying to refine the idea of what it means to interpret or channel the Bible. So today we're going to talk about a question that comes up often in a church setting, an ecclesial setting, when clergy and teachers make an effort to have a scientific and objective critical discussion of the biblical text. Both in a church setting and even in a secular setting in the university, both ask the question, how can you say that your interpretation is right? Anyone can have an interpretation. It doesn't matter. Each one has their own interpretation. So Father and I were trying to figure out how do we wrestle with this question and you know the terms that we often use in our private discussion we talk about the difference between interpretation of the bible versus channeling the bible what does it mean to interpret the bible versus what does it mean to channel the bible well that's a good question i I think i want to start just by talking about the problem of synthesis in any field i mean the study of the Bible is a field of science, right? You're uh-huh. looking at data, and then at some point you have to make the best possible assumption or draw the best possible conclusions based on the data available. Right. As a teacher or a pastor, you can just give someone your assumptions and your conclusions. You can uh-huh. give them the secondary or the worst, not even the secondary source. You can very often when people teach, they don't even deal with secondary sources. They deal with a study of a secondary source right. or their opinion of a secondary source. Yep. They're not actually dealing with the primary material with the students. So the first thing, when you talk about channeling versus interpretation, is actually being purposeful and disciplined about making the disciple work through the primary material with you. Because when you do that, when you actually deal with the primary material without imposing conclusions about the data, you give the student a chance to form their own assessment of the data. Mm -hmm. Now, the opinion of the teacher versus the opinion of the student, these opinions are not equal. Right. There's a definite chasm there. But the student will never have a chance to either embrace and accept or properly reject the teacher's opinion of the data without working through the material themselves. So part of it is just being tied in the source material. I do think, though, that in the case of literature, we're dealing with story. And you can go to a movie and see a violent scene or see a love scene or experience a comedic scene. You may not understand the comedy or the violence. You may not understand how the romance fits into the broader plot of what the author is trying to say about whatever, but you can experience 
what the author wants you to experience. Right. Empathy towards characters that fall in love. Anxiety or exhilaration in the face of violence. And I think channeling, when you channel scripture, you deal with the primary data and try to help people see the plot and understand the tension in the story and really have a first-hand encounter with that tension. Right. So in Paul's letters, he ridicules the churches. When you're channeling Paul's letters, the people you're channeling to should feel the burden of that ridicule. Right. And well, and I think it's interesting the way that you and I shy away from this notion of interpretation because, for example, I hear two ways that interpretation is used. Either personal interpretation, which is each person reads and decides what they want, or authoritative interpretation, which is interpretation that the institution decided on. The commonality between both is that you can't question either. So I'm thinking of, for example, if you're a geneticist and you run an experiment on a certain gene in a certain environment, it's going to produce data. But in the scientific world, they say, what's the story that you tell about the data? How do you explain the data? And when most people in biblical studies talk about interpretation, they're not talking about interpretation of data like the geneticist. What the geneticist is doing is he's always trying to say, here is the story that the data are telling, not the story that I'm trying to tell about me and my experience of the data, but what story is the data trying to tell? And so this is how I understand what it means to channel the data. And a scientist would say they're interpreting the data, but they're using interpret in a different way than most people talk about interpreting the Bible. So I want to distinguish that. Now, the interesting thing in science you go through the peer review process. You put out your interpretation, you put out the story you believe the data are telling, and you put that out to other scientists. And other experts in the field can say, you got this right, this is wrong, this is wrong. Actually, I don't believe anything you're saying. I think you're onto something here, whatever they say. But it's other experts in the field. It's not some guy who got on the bus and was reading it on the bus and just said, oh, you know, I disagree with this genetic interpretation. You know. Anyone can interpret genetic information. Anyone can interpret however they want. Who's to say that that geneticist is correct and I'm not? Nobody has that discussion with geneticists. You only have that discussion with you only have that discussion with uh, biblical scholars. Although ideology has the power to actually even corrupt the sciences. Sure. Because we have ample evidence for certain phenomena, but yet for reasons promoted by certain economic interests or political objectives, it's very easy because of this false idea of the individual's right to create their own reality. It's very easy to dismiss those those Mm -hmm. things as being not true. Right. No, I mean, and when this comes to biblical studies, I just had a, a great opportunity recently. I love listening to Dr. Michael Heiser's podcast, The Naked Bible. He's a senior colleague of mine from the University University of Wisconsin. And in episode 33, called Studying the Original Languages of the Bible Word Study Techniques, Part 2, he says, you know, people think they know what it means when Paul talks about unmarried in 1 Corinthians 7. But we think we know, but Paul might mean something else. We don't know. So let's see what Paul actually means by this word. And so he goes verse by verse through this chapter, which happens to be the only chapter where this word actually appears in the entire Bible. And he goes through and says, we have to understand it from this point of view. And this is what I mean by channeling the data. You can't argue with Dr. Heiser at that point because he's shown you the data. And the only way you could argue is to say, no, I think the data are saying something else. But once you do that, it's not Dr. Heiser that's teaching. It's not the disciple that's teaching. It's 
It's the text that teaches. Exactly. And that's the key about channeling versus interpreting. When you interpret, you are creating a secondary source. This is my difficulty with the word interpretation right. in literature. It's different mm-hmm. than how it's used in the other sciences. You're creating a secondary source and then establishing that secondary source as your authoritative statement. When you channel, it's the text that holds the authority. So, for example, I might draw a conclusion about Mm -hmm. the opening verses of Ezekiel chapter 12 and say, for example, that the reference to eyes and ears says something about the connection between idolatry and one's own blindness and deafness. Now, that's my interpretation. But someone who's reading Ezekiel with me can say, well, with all due respect, Father Mark, this same expression is used differently in Isaiah. In Ezekiel, they're blind and deaf, right? And by extension, can't speak or whatever. They're blind and deaf. But in Isaiah, it is God who makes them blind and deaf. That may or may not work against the connection I'm drawing with idolatry when I look at the opening section of Ezekiel 12. Right. And a disciple has every right on the basis of the data to ask that question. Right. And if their question proves to be right, I, as a teacher, have the responsibility to say I'm wrong. Right. And I think this is... So I read Ezekiel wrong. I still succeeded as a teacher because I channeled Ezekiel to you and you got something out of Ezekiel that I missed, so I learned from you. It's a collective reading. It's The text it, teaches everybody. Exactly. The text is constantly teaching everybody. And I think that's one of the things that I find important is that every interpretation has to be put out there in a so-called peer review process. I mean, that's what I think is important about having a collegial system of authority is because no person can actually dictate to the other one what is the truth. Instead, you put a text above everybody that dictates to everybody what is the truth. But people have to figure out what is that text saying. But any interpretation that someone puts forth, if they're correctly channeling the Bible, can be questioned by anybody. And I think that's an important way to look at Scripture. And can be very edifying for everyone. J.K. Rowling has a beautiful saying about knowledge. She said once that sometimes it's very important to pursue a wrong idea to its fullest extent in order to come to a better conclusion right. or, or to have a, a more correct or deeper understanding. And I think in a religious setting, people are so concerned about who's right and being right because their interest isn't wisdom and knowledge. Their interest mm-hmm. is power. Right. Because if I can find out who's right, then I can tell you who's wrong. Mm-hmm. And if I can tell you who's wrong, that puts me in a better position. And we have yet another example of the many-faceted, multidimensional proliferation of Pharisaism in our culture. And if you have the ability to say who is right and who is wrong, you're no longer talking about the text. You're talking about you. And you're talking about individual A versus individual B. But then we go back to what your paper was about in Miami, talking about curriculum, a filter you put. Well, person A's curriculum is better than person B's curriculum. Well, now you've already stopped talking about the text and you're talking about something else. Now, you can say, with respect to this statement that person A made, he's correct because the following data corroborate what they're trying to say. That's fine. i got no problem because now you're talking about the data. You're channeling the Bible this way. You're bringing the data forth and making those the center of the conversation as opposed to person A. Once person A becomes the discussion, you're no longer talking about the Bible. You're talking about a human being who
who's trying to come up with something. Now, and this is where people get very confused in a Western egalitarian cultural setting, because someone who's comfortable in that cultural environment say, oh, I see what Father Mark is saying, we're all equals. No, that is not what I'm saying. First of all, the opinion of the teacher and the opinion of the student are not of equal value. The guess of a teacher is most often better than an opinion founded on the hard work of the student. That's just how it works in life, right. because of the amount of study and time and effort made. The familiarity with the data. The familiarity with the data, but there's another dimension to it also. Throughout the Bible, human hierarchical structures, on the one hand, are criticized for the sake of those who have positions of authority in human civilization. In mm-hmm. fact, the greatest criticism is leveled against those who have authority. Right. But on the other hand, both Paul and the prophets use those authorities, even when they're destructive, even when they are by all human standards completely evil and monstrous. They use those hierarchical authoritative functions to oppose the disciple. And so in order to channel this tension in scripture, where Paul uses the Roman government against the church in Romans. On the one hand, we know it's clear that the Pauline school was very much against the sword, yet he tells the church, God gave the sword to the Roman Empire to keep you in line. Just like in the Old right. Testament, the prophets say God sent Assyria to attack right. Jerusalem. I think it's important. I think that God sends the teacher to oppose the student. Mm-hmm. And I think you, if you eliminate that tension, scripture doesn't work. It can't right. be channeled properly. Someone, The Lord sent someone who knew the data better than you to challenge your ideas of what the data are saying. Yes. Now, if the teacher is arrogant or cruel or makes erroneous assumptions because he or she is egotistical, that's the teacher's problem, not the student's problem. Because the student to whom Scripture is being channeled has to apply the lesson of submission from Paul's letters in the teacher-student relationship. So there's, there's uh, there's a responsibility of the student to be channeled to, even if the teacher is not channeling. The question, who do you think you are, which is a very common question in our cultural context, I mean, it's the root of the problem. Who I am is irrelevant. Who you are is irrelevant. The question is, what does the data say? In other words, at the root of this question, who do you think you are, is a disrespect for knowledge. And so the Bible creates this setting where there's tension and need so that it puts the the value where it belongs, which is on on the wisdom of the text. Right, yeah, it's the wisdom of the text, I think. That's what it comes down to. When you're channeling the text, you allow the text to speak rather than get in the way of the text trying to speak, and you allow that text to speak, you're channeling that text, and that's the best thing you can be doing in order for people to really grasp the text. And your best chance of realizing the extent to which you don't know what you're talking about is to be confronted with a teacher who likes to tell you you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Even if they don't know what they're talking about, it doesn't matter. Right. They're right. They're right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Father Mark. Yeah, it was good to talk to you. You've just heard the Bible as literature. Thanks for listening.